chapter twenty six of sons of fire by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain i go to prove my soul allan lost no time in making his preparations he ordered everything that mr patrington told him to order and in all things followed the advice of that experienced traveller who consented to spend his last fortnight in england at beechhurst where his appearance excited considerable interest in the local mind he allowed allan to mount him and went out with the south sarum and as he neither dressed rode nor looked like anybody else he was the object of some curiosity among those outsiders who did not know him as the famous african hunter a man who had made himself a name casually while following the bent of his own fancy and caring nothing what his countrymen at home thought about him lady emily was her son's guest during the last week anxious to be with him till he sailed to postpone the parting till the final day she was full of sorrow at the idea of a separation which was to last for at least two years and might extend to double that time if the climate and the manner of life in central africa suited him stanley had taken nearly a year and a half going and returning between zanzibar and ujiji and stanley had been a much quicker traveller than previous explorers and mr patrington talked of ujiji as a starting-point for journeys to the north and to the west rambling explorations over less familiar regions and anon a leisurely journey down to nyasaland the african arcadia his plans if carried out would occupy five or six years that sturdy traveller laughed at the mother's apprehensions my dear lady emily you are under a delusion as to the remoteness of the great lake country should your son grow homesick something less than a three months journey will bring him from the tanganyika to the thames sixty years ago it took longer to travel from bombay to london than it does now to come from the heart of africa the mother sighed and looked mournfully at her son he was unhappy and travel and adventure would perhaps afford the best cure for his low spirits she discussed the situation with mrs mornington when that lady called upon her your niece has acted very cruelly she said my niece has acted like a fool she has made two young men unhappy and left herself out in the cold i saw geoffrey warnock last week and he was looking a perfect wreck do you think she cared for him the girl must care for somebody looking back now i can see that there was a change in her a gradual change after geoffrey warnock's return it was very unfortunate either young man would have been a capital match added mrs mornington waxing practical but she could not marry them both lady emily felt angry with geoffrey as the cause of unhappiness the indirect cause of the coming separation between herself and her son how happy she might have been had all gone smoothly allan would have settled at beechhurst with his young wife but they would have spent nearly half of every year in suffolk how happy her own life might have been with the son she loved and the girl whom she was ready to take to her heart as a daughter but for this wilful cruelty on the part of suzette lady emily was sitting in the mandarin room with her son and his friend late in the evening their last evening but one in england 
to-morrow they were all going to london together and on the day after the travellers would embark on the p and o for zanzibar the night was wet and windy and a large wood fire burnt and crackled on the ample hearth lady emily had her embroidered coverlet spread over her lap and her work-table drawn conveniently near her elbow in the light of a shaded lamp while the two men lounged in luxurious chairs in front of the fire the room looked the picture of comfort the men companionable content and homely and the mother's heart sank at the thought that years must pass before such an evening could repeat itself and before her poor allen would be sitting in so comfortable a chair it was not without regret that her son had contemplated the idea of their separation or of his mother's solitary home when he should be gone he had talked with her of the coming years suggested the nieces or girlfriends whom she might invite to enliven the slumber's house and to enjoy the beauty of those fertile gardens and level park-like meadows that stretched to the edge of the river you have troops of friends mother and you will have plenty of occupation with your farm and sovereign power over the whole estate drake the bailiff will have to consult you about everything yes there will be much to be looked at and thought about but i shall miss you every hour of my life allan not as much as if i had been living at home every bit as much i was quite happy thinking of you here how can i be happy when i picture you toiling alone in the desert under a broiling sun no water even the camels dropping and dying under their burdens dear mother be happy as to the camels we shall not be in the camel country we shall see very little of sandy deserts shadowy woods fertile valleys the margins of great lakes will be our portion and you will drink the water which is sure to be unwholesome and you will get fever allan did not tell his mother that fever was inevitable a phase of african life which every traveller must reckon with he represented african travel as a perpetual holiday in a land of infinite beauty would patrington go back there if it were not a delightful life he argued he is not to get his living there as the poor fellows have who grill and bake themselves for half a lifetime in india he goes because he loves the life he goes to shoot big game he is a horrid bloodthirsty creature little by little however lady emily had allowed herself to be persuaded that central africa was not so hideous a region as she had supposed she was told that there were bits of country like suffolk a home like arcadia on the shores of naasa which would remind her of her own farm then why not make that district your headquarters she argued appealing to patrington we shall have no headquarters we shall wander from one interesting spot to another we shall settle down only in the masika season when travelling is out of the question not so much because it couldn't be done as because the blackies won't do it they are uncommonly careful of themselves won't budge in the rains won't take a canoe on the lake if there's a bit of a swell on i'm glad of that sighed lady emily with an air of relief i'm very glad the negroes are prudent and careful a deuced deal too prudent my dear lady emily the men were sitting at a table looking at a map one of patrington's own rough maps scrawled and splotched with a blunt quill pen he was showing allan where more scientific map-makers had gone wrong here's the lua laba you see and here's the little wood where we camped i seldom use a tent if i can help it but there wasn't a village within ten miles of that spot the door was opened and a servant announced mr warnock allan started up surprised 
thrown off his balance by jeffrey's entrance it was half-past ten matcham bedtime you have come to bid us good-bye alan said recovering his self-possession as they shook hands this is very kind and friendly of you i have come to do nothing of the kind i want to join your party if you and your friend will have me he spoke in his lightest tone but he was looking worn and ill and there were all the signs of sleeplessness and worry in his haggard face i know it's the eleventh hour he said but i heard you say looking from allen to patrington that your important preparations have to be made at zanzibar where you buy most of the things you want i i only made up my mind this evening after dinner i am bored in england there's nothing for me to do i get so tired of things and your mother hazarded allen feebly my mother is accustomed to doing without me i believe i only worry her when i am at home will you take me carew yes or no why of course it is yes mr warnock exclaimed lady emily coming from the other end of the room where she had been folding up her work for the night allan why don't you introduce mr warnock to me she was radiant charmed at the idea of a third traveller and such a traveller as the squire of discombe it seemed to lessen the peril of the expedition that this other man should want to go should offer himself thus lightly on the eve of departure she shook hands with geoffrey in the friendliest way looking at the wan worn face with keen interest like allan yes he was like but not so good-looking his features were too sharply cut his hollow cheeks and sunken eyes made him look ever so much older than allan thought the mother admiring her own son above all the world of course they will take you she said looking from one to the other it will make the expedition ever so much pleasanter for them both they will feel less lonely i ain't afraid of loneliness growled patrington but if mr warnock really wishes to go with us and will fall into our plans and not want to make alterations and upset our route now and again i'm agreeable it isn't always easy for three men to get on smoothly you see even two don't always hit it burton and speak for instance there were bothers you shall be my chief and captain protested geoffrey and if you should tire of me well i can always wander off on my own hook you know i could start by myself now take my chance and trust to native guides choose another line of country where i couldn't molest you molest my dear warnock if you are really in earnest really inclined to join us as a pleasant thing to do and not a caprice of the moment i shall be glad to have you and i think patrington will have no objection said allan hastily not the slightest i only want unity of purpose you don't look in the best possible health added patrington bluntly but you can rough it i suppose yes i'm not afraid of hardships i should like to have a few words with you before anything is settled if you will take a turn on the terrace said allan and on geoffrey assenting he went over to the glass door and led the way to the gravel walk outside the rain was over and the moon was shining out of a ragged mass of cloud why do you leave this place now when you are master of the situation allan asked abruptly when he and geoffrey had walked a few paces i am not master no more than a beaten hound is master i have mastered nothing not even the lukewarm regard which she still professes for you she has thrown you over but i am not to be the gainer i went to her directly i knew she was free i offered myself to her an adoring slave but she would have none of me she did not love you enough to be your wife but for me she had only contempt cruel words mocking laughter that cut me like a bunch of scorpions i am frank with you carew if i had a ghost of a chance i would follow her to schwalbach to the riviera all round this globe on which we crawl and suffer distance should not divide us but i am too much a man to pursue a woman who scorns me i want to forget her i mean to forget her and i think i might have a chance if i went with you and your chum yonder 
i should like to go with you unless you dislike me too much to be happy in my company dislike you no indeed i do not i am glad of that my mother is very fond of you you have been to her almost as a son it will comfort her to think that we are together together in danger and difficulty and if one of us should not come back nonsense warnock of course we are coming back look at patrington ah but he has been a solitary traveller when two go there is always one who stays if you think that you had much better stop at home no no the risk is the best part of the business to a man of my temper it's the toss-up that i like heads a safe return tails death in the wilderness death by niggers wild beasts flood or fire i go with my life in my hand as the catch-phrase of the day has it and if there were no hazards no danger well one might as well stay at home or play polo at simla alan we have been rivals but not enemies shall we be brothers henceforward yes friends and brothers if you will they went back to the mandarin room and when lady emily had bidden them good-night the three men lit up pipes and cigars and talked about that wonder-world of tropical africa and what they were to do there till the night grew late and the manor groom dozing on the settle by the saddle-room fire after a hearty supper of beef and beer questioned querulously whether his governor meant to go home before daylight End of chapter twenty six